This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody, for what will be your Thursday episode of Locked On Browns. Jeff Lloyd at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd at underscore Pete Smith underscore obviously Pete from Browns Maven. Uh, obviously, check everything out. You know, through SI, click on anything, uh, click on Browns, find all the stuff that uh, you know Pete's got going on over there. Uh, as we roll into you know what will be a big one Sunday, Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, your local experts on the biggest stories, all things Browns. As we roll on through another daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Um, Pete, we obviously didn't sit down yesterday. You know, Tuesdays usually, you know, we, uh, you know, obviously between the PFF show and obviously the crossovers and, you know, Pete and the guys working on continuing an undefeated season for the uh, Shreesboro Rockets and congratulations, congratulations on that. Obviously keep it going. Um, So we haven't really get to talk about this, you know, and it almost seems funny, you know, maybe Bill Belichick, who knows what was in his microphone when he was smiling on the sidelines late in the game. Maybe it was the fact that he was, Working to put the finishing touches on acquiring Muhammad Sanu. Um, just briefly on any of these trains that have gone down here, guys, I don't see anything where the Cleveland Browns should have been in. Uh, Muhammad Sanu is a player. Bill Belichick is coveted for a while. I kind of had a feeling that somehow, some way, either Josh was injured or maybe they were done Josh Gordon-wise. Uh, Pete, the move, and, and again, no, guys, no bringing back Josh Gordon under any circumstances whatsoever. We'll get to all of this here, though. But, uh, you know, Pete, good teams make good moves. I don't think anybody else would have given up a second-round pick for Mohamed Sanu. But Bill Belichick has the reputation to damn well do whatever the hell he wants. And, you know, anytime you go to judge him is usually when it comes back and backfires in everybody's face. Uh, so Josh Gordon is hurt. Um, but the there are differing arguments on how hurt. Um, so there's a belief or at least some reason to think anyway, that the Patriots Patriots are essentially just done with his, you know, whatever. Uh, But uh, he is hoping to go on injured, get released from injured reserve and be able to go somewhere else. Whether that's realistic or not is unclear. I would tend to doubt it. I don't think the Patriots are looking to do a favor. But then again, they may just be more than happy to just get rid of him rather than have him be around uh, when he's not on the field. Uh, as far as Mohamed Sanu, uh, the Patriots beat out uh, the 49ers bidding for him. Um, I don't know what the 49ers were willing to deal, but that's obviously why the 49ers turned around you know, hours later and then made the move they did to get Emmanuel Sanders. Both teams were trying to get to new. The Patriots obviously offered enough to get him. Uh, I don't think he's worth a second round pick, but they are desperate because their offense is awful. Um, they have nothing going right now on that side of the ball. And it's entirely built. Their, their team success is built on a historically great defense and really good special teams. So they're trying to get something working on that some of its injuries some of its been some other issues that's just not working but they are desperately trying to kickstart something and Mohamed Sanu uh obviously Rutgers background so that was apparently worth the second round pick because he's really like the third best receiver uh, on the uh on the Falcons but you know he has he has the ability to do a lot of things that the Patriots like he's smart he can line up a whole different bunch of places um, obviously, he's thrown the ball. The 
few times. Uh, you know, that wouldn't be a surprise if he did that, but he's just sort of fits in the type of guy they like to have, um, which is, which is good. Um, but again, I, I, you know, this, the Patriots are trying to win everything now and all the moves they make are, are generally for right this second. So it's not a huge surprise that they'd be willing to offer a little bit more than a team like the 49ers would force a new, if they believe that it's going to, you know, help them get to the Super Bowl, and obviously it keeps happening, so um, it's hard to argue against them. Uh, yeah, Bill's going to do what Bill wants uh, to do. Um, the Niners one, it's intriguing because, you know, I, I, is your question whether or not it's the receivers or, you know, is Jimmy G just not have enough experience? Is he just not – I mean, I understand, you know, I think he's, what, 14-2 and two now as a starter, yada, yada. That's fine. I, I still don't really know what he is as a, a passer – um, Sanu, when you talk about Muhammad Sanu, usually like you talk about a lot of things that you don't normally talk about, you know, like you, like you mentioned, you don't like, it's not like, oh my God, a dynamic route runner, um, you know, catch radius comes down with the ball in traffic. He, he's kind of like a, like a lunch pal player. Um, like, but he does everything he's asked to do and, you know, he can throw the ball and obviously him on the field alone creates a distraction because it's, you know, he'll now be wearing 14 in New England. It's where is he? Because, you know, now you got, you know, you'll have Edelman on the field. You'll have him on the field. You got two guys that are capable of throwing the ball in addition to Tom Brady. Um, I'm not sure how much he can truly contribute this week. Um, I'm not saying he won't be suited up and ready to go, but you, you never know. And, you know, who knows whether or not, I mean, you know, trick plays are the easiest ones to put in, especially with a new guy. So you don't have to worry so much about that. Pete, is the value that, you know, Emmanuel Sanders at his age coming off an Achilles to knew where he is, it seems like, for me, it seems a little rich, you know, a little, a little rich the draft compensation. But, I mean, maybe it's the difference between the all-ins and, the you know, just straight evaluation of what a player's worth is. Um, yeah, a lot, a, a, Emmanuel Sanders has been very good. Um, I don't know if he's quite worth that much given the injury issue, but he's been coveted for a while, and a lot of teams have tra- been trying to get him out of uh, Denver for a few years now. So, yeah, they, they finally did it. I think John Elway got a, a nice return or a nice value out of the, out of the, out of the move. Um, they, you know, obviously they, they sent Sanders in a fifth to get a third and a fourth. I actually think that's pretty good uh, value for him. I, I, I you know, the 49ers, offensively are waiting for a lot of guys to come off being injured, which is part of their problem. I don't know, you know, if their passing game's really that big of a concern in terms of, you know, how much they really expect to get out of it this season. It's sort of a work in progress and their defense is carrying them. They play no one for weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, So they, they, they sort of have this like luxury built in that they can more or less uh, try to figure this thing out while the defense and, and, and carries them as, you know, what seems like every meaningful player on their offense can try to get healthy. Uh, check McGlinchey, some of those other guys, uh, there's, you know, Joe Staley at some point, they're hoping to get back uh, from his broken leg. So, you know, again, I, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is pretty, average at best i don't think he's a very good quarterback in terms of reading defenses and stuff maybe as this season rolls along he will get better in those facets but uh yeah i mean they've got to do 
whether you think it's Emmanuel Sanders, they are trying to give themselves enough to win the Super Bowl. And they they see what is a pretty nice little opportunity for them to, to make a move like that. And, you know, it's hard to blame them in that respect. Uh, w- whether it's enough to make a meaningful push uh, where, you know, they get to the actual playoffs and, and this is enough to sort of carry them over the top. I don't know. Uh, I think – in a lot of ways, Emmanuel Sanders is very similar to what trading for Trent Williams would be like. Um, obviously, Emmanuel Sanders is not like a, a routine all-pro or anything, but he's a very good player who has you know, injury questions where if he's on the field, you're going to be really happy with him, but you're sitting there terrified that something's going to happen and you're going to lose him and, and what you gave up to get him in the process. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And, you know, I saw Cortland Sutton, uh, you know, obviously put out some positive, you know, regards – towards him and say, you know, you've done a lot for me. I truly appreciate it. Maybe this is also something, I mean, you know, the Niners got a bunch of kid receivers. Uh, you know, maybe they feel that, you know, they need some work. They need some help. They need a veteran in that respect. Uh, but, I mean, look, what we saw of them, there was nothing too flashy the passing game, or maybe this is what they're hoping is that Emmanuel Sanders can help them bring something to it. Look, eventually the rubber, you know, the rubber is going to meet the road. The defense isn't going to, you know, ball out every week. You're not going to be able to run the ball consistently every week, you know. You're going to have to throw the ball at times. So uh, two wide receivers moving on. Manuel Sanders, obviously, San Francisco 49er. Mohamed Sanu, we will see on Sunday in the 430 matchup as your Brownies head on to New England for, you know, the ultimate uh, the ultimate measure of the man, so to speak. Uh, we're going to get to a lot of this offensive tackle talk here. And for the most part, guys, I'm going to be honest, it's offensive. We'll get to that here in a second. Peloton is offering a limited time offer. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Don't bother with the gym. Don't have to leave the house. Don't have to pay for gas in your car. Go ahead. Go to the one. Go to one peloton.com and use promo code LOCKED, all caps, to get started. We appreciate Peloton for the sponsorship of Locked on Browns. I'm not sure exactly what is going on tackle-wise, Pete, um, and what their thought is. And we got to this a little bit the other night. And, you know, if your biggest concern right now of this offensive line is Greg Robinson, I mean, yeah, he's he's not playing great. Um, but, you know, look, I mean, you know, the Trent Williams thing, you know, not really a huge fan for, you know, unless it's, you know, you're basically just, you know, getting a sweetheart of a deal. That would be interesting. But you go into, you know, Nate Solder, who didn't want to come to Cleveland, took more money, went to the New York Giants. Um, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his first name. And this is yet another reason. One is bad. But the other one is, is I do not want to have to try to pronounce his first name. Uh, Left, uh, obviously, Vitae. um, And the lasting memory for me, Pete, is Jannard Avery backing this six foot six, 330-pound dude back. Like he weighed 180 pounds. Look, if you're going to make a move from a ta- for a tackle, can the guy be freaking good? Um. So, you know, the only reason anybody knows who this guy is in Cleveland is because Miles Garrett destroyed him um, in one of you know in in the preseason uh, when he killed what him. What we saw of him, bolt. you're shocked that he's actually still an Eagle. Well, yeah, I mean, he is they, – they only have four healthy tackles, so he's technically fourth, but the reality is he's fifth. 
Um, Jordan Mailata, uh, who most people probably don't remember, was the enormous rugby kid that came mm-hmm. over and the Eagles sort of won the bidding war to get him. I don't know if he's even been on the field yet, but the Eagles value him more than they do Vitae, who they've been open to trading since basically the start of the year. They took the trouble to draft Andre Dillard, who I loved, obviously, to make sure Vitae was never on the field, and they are more than happy to take somebody's assets to get rid of him. He will be a free agent at the end of the year, so if you're foolish enough to trade for him, you're then going to have to decide if you want to you know, keep him, which is an insane idea to me in the first place to get him, but then the idea that you'd keep him longer. He doesn't fit what Campin does. He's nope. just a big tub of crap that has been a punching bag for multiple Browns uh, pass rushers. So, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't see what anyone sees in this, but it, all of this just to me says that, you know, if, if this is indeed uh, a serious push by Dorsey, that he didn't, doesn't have a plan. And he, screwed up knowingly because it was no secret that the tackles weren't good. He's made any number of offensive line moves. And now we're basically just desperate. uh, If we're willing to go this route, the best thing the Browns can do in this trade market is nothing. They have to get through the season as is, and then really make a push. Now, if they get Drew Forbes back healthy, maybe he can help. But uh, the reality is your answers if they're there on the roster right now, and if they're not, it's because they're playing on Saturday. Uh, yeah, I'm 100% with you there. And, and look, you know, and this is one of the things when you made the decision Greg was going to be the guy this year is you put yourself really in a, a position where you had no fallback. Uh, you know, I don't know if they trust Lamb on the left side. Um, and it's not like this is one of the most difficult positions to acquire. You saw what Houston gave up to get Laramie Tunsil. It's, you know, you either draft it or you mortgage the living hell out of your future trying to trade for it. And the really good ones don't ever really hit the market. It's not the way it works. You look at some of these top left tackles in the game. They've been with their same franchises. Obviously, Tunsil's a different story. But the really good left tackles in the NFL – They've been in one destination, and most of the time, similar to Joe Thomas, you stay in that destination until your career is over. That's where the position is valued. And now we hear today that, you know, Justin McRae took most of the reps at left tackle today. Look, I understand he's got a history with Campman, but, I mean, you're going against New England, and, you know, it's not like you can really – I mean, yeah, you game plan – but New England is two steps ahead of you forever in anything. It's just the way it goes. You understand whatever you think you're seeing, and which goes to Sam Darnold. I'm seeing ghosts out there. What he thinks he's seeing, he's not seeing, which, you know, Baker could maybe run into these same struggles. Is this really the week, Pete, to to change it up at your left tackle spot, and especially to change it up for Justin McRae? Yeah, I don't – I'd be really surprised if they actually make a move to get Justin McCray in the lineup. But again, this just suggests that they don't know what they want to do here. And they're just basically throwing crap at the wall and hoping something sticks. Um, again, I, I don't think Greg Robinson, Greg Robinson isn't the answer, but I don't think he's necessarily the problem either. So they've got to, you know, get through you know, they had a plan. They should stick with it. 
and and get through it and freaking address it in full force in the off season, which was, you know, mm-hmm. that was always the thing that made sense. You know, what what the season was going to be, and if they aren't going to do that, then I think this has a real opportunity to be like a, a move or a situation where we see all the question marks that we had with John Dorsey coming into this job that, you know, with all the moves they've made, they're still not, they're still trying to throw stuff at this offensive line. And it all just points to a plan that didn't work. And you're seeing the warts that come with, with the Dorsey package. He does a lot of things that are really good, but situations like this one and not sort of recognizing, you know, where you have to sort of, understand the market and the trade market and all of those things is going to bite him. And, look, and you know, roster management, obviously, and, you know, to put it simply, it's, it's difficult and it's hard to have every spot covered, every spot taken care of, um, which signals this. Um, look, I mean, you know, are you in the market next year for a first round wide receiver? No. Are you going to be in the market for a first round quarterback? No. Um, defensive line. Seems like you're okay there. So the most logical spot would be in the 2020 NFL draft is you're going to have to address who is your left tackle. Um, There's only certain positions you should even bother spending a first round pick on anyway. Uh, You know, in we'll see where this ends up. Yeah. They're they're going to need some safety help. Demarius Randall is if Demarius Randall wants the bag, Pete, he's not doing himself any favors whatsoever right now, whether it's injured, whether it's not, you know, the whole concussion issue, now it's a leg thing. The fact is, is, you know, getting paid, it's, you know, your best ability, as always, is your availability. Uh, you know, in who knows, you know, it's way too early to tell whether or not there is a safety, but there are always left tackles worthy of it. And, you know, for those of you who like to get down and you're not thrilled with the Odell Beckham acquisition, would you rather have Odell Beckham and Jabril Peppers or would you rather uh, Odell Beckham or would you rather have Jabril Peppers and say a Andre Dillard? Uh, um, yeah. Just the way it's Close, gone. Look, this closer, isn't a knock on Odell. than anyone would like it to be right now. But uh, yeah, look, uh, yeah, the, the 2020 tackle class is very strong. Um, there are a lot of guys on there that look very good. Uh, the safety class, I have major questions about, uh, which makes the fact they passed on a bunch of really good safeties last year. A question Day mark. Three. Sheldrick Redwine has to be something next year, or that's going to be. And he's going to be you know, an incomplete. He, you're going to go into next season with his grade essentially being an incomplete. You have no idea who he is at this point. Yeah. So, yeah. So the, yeah, the, there's a bunch of things that, sort of uh, look a little problematic. The The fact is the Browns have seven picks right now, um, and they have a lot of holes to address. Safety and the offensive tackle are the two biggest, but they aren't the only ones, and they've got to sort of get that squared away um, and, and attack those issues, and they largely need to be done cost-effectively. You can't just throw money at the issue because you don't have any anymore. And any money you throw at this potential problem then goes has to come out of somewhere else. And that would mean letting good players walk out the door. So, again, I think the best thing the Browns can do is not do anything. Basically try to get through with what they have. If they want to make switches on the roster, 
uh, with the players in-house, so be it. Again, I, I, I don't think benching Greg Robinson really does anything. I'm far more concerned about Chris Hubbard and Eric Cush, at least with him. There is a real in-house solution sitting there that you can get more out of the running game with. So those are the things I'm looking at. Uh, Greg Robinson hitting the bench, I mean, for some people, maybe it's satisfying. For me, it just feels largely useless. It's it's going to be tough. And look, there's stuff to manage. And look, you know, yes, you know, are there upgrades? But it's it's not just that easy. And if you're going to get help during the season for your offensive line, you're most likely going to have to overpay. And then there's the whole theory of is, you know, when I do acquire this guy, and if you get him on Tuesday, is he going to be ready to go on Sunday when he could possibly be two and five, looking at two and six, and you know somehow some way Von Von Miller is going to be an equation in that? I mean, look, yes, they need to play better. There's no doubt about it. And you know, did you get the best of whatever Greg Robinson is going to be down the second half of 2018? Yeah, maybe you did. It's 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 a real real possibility. Um, and we understand obviously the move for Beckham that eliminated left tackle you know, from being a position that you could easily acquire. It's it's where it is right now. But, yes, does this unit as a whole need to play better? There's no doubt about it. Um, we've seen it for the most part. Kush, not really yet as a Cleveland Brown, but we've seen this unit play better. Uh, I remember that, you know, the terrible showing in Houston last year. We did the pregame show, Pete and I, and we talked about it. Oh, my God, we just pray Baker. He can get touched all day. And that seemed to be the common theme through the second half. Find a way, get it figured out, or at least figure it out better to the point where it's it's not that much of an issue. Obviously, I'm not taking any of this off on Baker. Baker, you know, is not playing his best right now either. Uh, we got a couple of questions to get here. We'll squeeze those in here as we roll on through on Locked On Browns for your Thursday edition. My bookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. So if you're going to bet this season whether it's over-unders on fantasy players, where, you know, we're using the features of the live in-game betting. If you predict it, you know, you bet it at the beginning. It's not looking so great at halftime. Sneak in for a backdoor. Any type of that action. Parlays, of course, as well over there. Visit mybookie.ag today. Use the promo code, all caps, locked on, no space, to activate the offer. As always, after two years, we appreciate MyBookie for their sponsorship of the podcast. Pete, we do have one. Let me see if it's only one. But we do have one solid listener question, and I will go with this. Um, give one sensible offensive line trade that could be done. Not giving away the farm for Trent Williams. Not solving somebody else's issues. Is is there a desirable candidate out there that something could be made? No. No, I mean, there isn't. I mean, that's, that's the nature of the beast. You don't get – the NFL has a real shortage of of, of capable 300-pound linemen, uh, and this shows you the problem. I mean, the, the, the fact that, you know, Nate Solder is playing god-awful football. He's actually worse than what they have. Um, he is, the he is not as good as Greg Robinson right now. That's sad. Right. The only thing he is better at than Greg Robinson is name recognition. Um and you're basically looking at guys like him. You're looking at a guy like, you know, Vitae, who's, you know, awful. You know, this is a league where uh, guys get jobs basically forever 
purely on size uh, and, and some athletic traits just because there, there aren't enough of them. So, you know, that's the ultimate job security is that there's, there is always somebody uh, out there who needs a, a lineman who can basically get up, get in there and, 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 you know, look the part, which is unfortunate, but that's, that's where it is. So this is why you don't make those moves during the season. You know, Laramie Tunsil is a very nice player. They gave up the farm for him and, and the issue isn't fixed. Like he's a very nice player. He is pretty good, but Deshaun Watson is still getting whacked because Laramie Tunsil plays one spot and there's still four other ones. And it's the same deal. If you got Trent Williams, Trent Williams is great. Uh, assuming he's, you know, in shape and all those things and ready to go, but he doesn't fix right guard. He doesn't fix right tackle. He is one man and the Browns have two good linemen. They're, they need three. One guy isn't going to do it. So, you know, I don't see it. I, I think, you know, the deals that have been made, I thought getting White Teller was a steal for what they did. That was a great move. I think Dorsey deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, but now let's see him. That's it. I mean, you, you made your moves. The Browns have made two trades already, or three trades with offensive linemen. Uh, obviously, getting Teller, getting McRae, and then moving Austin Corbett. Like, you have made a ton of moves this year when you include the offseason. Like, the answer isn't more trades. It's you got to actually get guys and develop them. Yeah, or, you know, find your best five somehow, some way, whatever. But, you know, look, I don't know. For me, Mixing things up here against the New England Patriots, I don't know, just seems seems like the wrong time. It's not like you're getting a starter back and putting him in, uh, rocking the boat here, going into New England. Yeah, I don't know. For me, it doesn't make much sense. Uh, Dino, we got to your question there. Uh, look, I mean, at this point, no, there really isn't. It's not like there's a franchise left tackle out there that's, you know, look, Williams, the case is what he is. Yeah, he's a good player, but you're not going to give up the farm for 31 and injured. You're just not going to do it. Uh, Pete, and this one burns me. Um, if Rashard Higgins doesn't get much run on Sunday, is Rashard Higgins gone on Tuesday? Uh, I wouldn't think so, but you know, unless unless he's moved into trade, I, I don't think they're going to cut him. No, no, no. Um, that's what I'm saying. We, we, you know, because obviously with the deadline being Tuesday, the 29th, 4 p.m. Yeah, it, I, I, it, theoretically, I suppose they could. It doesn't seem like, you know, that would be a likely move. I mean, I, I, I suppose if you're saying we're not going to use him and he's going to be a free agent after this season, it would make sense to try to get something for him. But I, to this point, am taking Freddie Kitchens at his word on this uh, that he wasn't happy with the health. I mean, the thing is, when Richard Higgins was healthy to open the season, they used him and he got him the ball. So, it, you know, I don't think that, that that equation has changed that for any good reason. No, the the, the guy I'm hoping they don't move from, on from um, would be Jannard Avery, which is the one I'm worried about them shipping off in a trade for some garbage tackle because Jannard Avery is a good player. And the only reason he isn't playing, which I hopefully uh, hope, which will hopefully change this week, is because the uh, Browns told him to put on stupid weight. It, it, it hasn't agreed with him. That's not his fault. He did what he was supposed to. Um, so that's what I'm worried about is you give up a, a good asset for a, 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 another 
body that won't actually deal with the issue and you get rid of what could be a very nice player for you. And that's it's another mysterious thing. And the thing is, is where it seems kind of like Gennard Avery's in the doghouse for doing this, you know, just you know, listen to the kid talk in a little bit, and you know, sometimes where he's been on, you know, Cleveland Browns Daily, he's just you know, a sweet old Southern kid, and he really loves playing ball, and he understands it opens the doors for him to have a good life, and he's going to do what he's asked to do. He has to put on weight, he put on weight, and then like you're holding it against him. I understand maybe it causes issues where he's not as responsible as it was, but you know, look, you know, we talked about this, and you know, we love Gennard Avery as a prospect. He was a steal in the fifth round. The one, if you had a negative on him, it most certainly wasn't what his body and his physique was. He's a little under six feet one. He was maxed out muscular wise. He was maxed out mass wise. Asking him to put on more weight. It was, I mean, it was just asinine. That's that's on you. That's not on Gennard Avery. And you know, he goes somewhere else and you know gets a case of you know, you know, uh, throwing up for about six days straight and gets himself back down to the two fifty five. He rocks at and. It's gonna, it's gonna look bad. It's gonna blow up in your face, Pete. This team carries twelve defensive backs on their fifty-three. If there was a move to be made come Tuesday, and one of these defensive backs shipped out, give me the name you think it would be. As far as an actual trade, the only name that would make sense of it really would be Demarius Randall, um, and I don't think that's likely to happen. It's just because he's been not good. Uh, this year, his injury situation has been problematic. And then you add in the element of that whole concussion thing. I don't know, you know, if that has lasting damage or not, but, you know, that could sort of cause you to sort of want to go ahead and, and, and move on maybe for both sides. But the problem is they obviously don't have a real answer behind him. Um, you know, you're looking at guys like Justin Burris and Eric Murray, which, you know, in the end of the world, but like if somebody comes calling and they say, we want, you know, what, what are you willing to take for Demarius Randall? That would actually be like theoretically smart move. If, if they've sort of soured on what he's going to do and it basically made the correct, correct math on this that says he's not going to be here next year. So let's go ahead and move him. Um, that would at least be interesting. Yeah. And the thing with Randall is you go back to last year, obviously you know, a bunch of highs, you go back to the week of the Tampa game where he played corner. Uh, they were, Obviously, some guys were injured. He took on Mike Evans that day. Mike Evans didn't score, had a pretty good day, but Mike Evans wasn't the reason the Browns lost that day. You, but then you go to this year, and it, it's been the injuries. Obviously, you know, missed two games. Um, look, it's, it's going to be Thursday tomorrow. He doesn't practice. You're really getting concerned about whether or not he's going to be in the lineup on Sunday. You go to the A.J. Brown play. Week one against Tennessee, which is a what the hell are you doing moment. You go to the Mozart run, first play of the game against San Francisco. San Francisco's first play of the game. And Randall's angle was terrible. His effort was poor. And it, look, if your, whole, if your whole thing is, you know, I'm holding out for the big contract, that's fine. But then get the hell out of here because go somewhere else and do it. You know, I love Demarius Randall, and he'll probably always hold some sort of name recognition within Cleveland for the handing the ball to Hugh type of thing. But it's it's just not getting done right now. And I understand there's players that go this route, and I get it, I respect it. You you want your money, you feel you've earned it, but it's a what are you doing for me lately business. And right now, Demarius Randall ain't doing much lately for this Browns defense. 
No, uh, it's been pretty nondescript from him. Uh, you know, it's it's difficult to, other than the sacks, which are very nice. Um, it's really difficult to think of like an impact play he's made. You're not paying a safety for sacks. That's no, and they could obviously <laughs> get that out of other guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's one of those things where you're sitting there going, think of all the great plays that Demarius Randall's made so far this year. You're sitting there going, can't come up with any. So, like, you got your you know. fist, you were like rolling over a finger trying to get one memorable one. I just went with two terrible, bizarre ones that were really, really bad. I, I don't even know if I have a Demarius Randall highlight this year, other than maybe the sack of Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's, that's the play. Guys, we're going to start to put a bow on this one. Pete, league-wise, Browns-wise, as we roll on into week eight, yikes. Nothing goes faster than the NFL season. Anything Pete Smith needs to get off his chest? I don't think so. I mean, you know, the the, the trade movement has been uh, interesting. Uh, again, I think the market is telling you don't trade um, if you're you're, you're a buyer because the prices are really high. Unless uh, you're really good and you view somebody as a final piece of the puzzle. But, yeah, I mean, for everybody who's, you know, if you're looking to maybe get a discount on a good player where you can get it for a couple of years, no, nah, this market ain't for that. those people, not at all. No, and the Browns aren't, you know, there. Like, that's the thing is, like, even if the Browns get, you know, the, 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 that guy they believe is going to fix it, it's 10 games and, and you know, potentially – playoffs if they can get there but you know, it, it's not going to dramatically change the outlook of this team is it, what's going to make them better is, is baker mayfield getting the ball out on time which will make protection look better and start playing weaker teams which is going to make them look better and look it's time rally the wagons and everybody with the all of this about you know oh we're just going to get slaughtered i mean where were your initial thoughts of what you thought this everybody was so pro what this team was capable of, you know, through the summer, going into week one. Look, if you felt this roster was good enough to play with anybody, I don't know what your issue is now. Yeah, New England's defense is really good. Their offensive line right now is really bad. You got a 42-year-old quarterback, Tom Brady. Look, you can give him every superlative you want. He can't move. You can't move like at all. I mean, it's like a step to the left, a step to the right. It's like the old, you know, it's like the old folks dancing at the senior center on Friday night at four o'clock when the dance starts because everybody's got to be home and in bed by seven. You can, there's ways you can get this done, and this team is capable of a lot more than they've shown to this point. You go to the Baltimore game, this team is capable of this stuff, especially if you're going to have Denzel back and you're going to have Greedy back. It should make things easier on the linebackers. And Joe Schobert's not going to have to constantly look behind him about what's going on behind him because he should have a little more confidence. And maybe he can get back to being a better coverage linebacker, which he struggled with this year. We're not going to deny that. But the fact that everybody's just like, oh, my God, they're going to walk into a 63 to nothing. Look, the Jets are not the Browns. I don't care. They are not even close to what Cleveland has talent-wise and, you know, layers of positions, you know, players that, you know, the Jets the Jets are not a good team. Yeah, they had their way with the Dallas Cowboys. If that game went about six minutes longer, they probably would have lost. But, you know, don't view the Patriots beating the Jets 33-0. Don't, yeah, look, you're better than that. Don't put yourself down with the slums of the team anymore just because the team is 2-4. and four. It's a better team than that. 
You should expect better. You should expect to see good efforts week in, week out. You had the bye. You played six. It was a weird schedule. A lot of these players on this team are not used to playing primetime games. You played three of those out of your first six games. You went out to San Francisco. You had short weeks, all this nonsense. This team is better than what they've seen to this point. So, you know, this throw in the towel in, oh, here it is, you know, mid-October and around suck again. No. R- rally for what can be a hell of a run here, closing this out. Well, I, I think the lack of, you know, confidence is, you know, a lot of Ingrained. People, Ingrained. Well, I, I, I think it's, it's a commentary on where they feel like the coaching staff is. And, yeah, which... Yes, whatever. I, I would I would say that the coaching staff that you had, coaching staff you were really excited about with Todd Munkin and Steve Wilkes, it's a great opportunity for them to sort of go out and make a statement in terms of, you know, where is, you know, they, if they go out with, you know, they had two weeks two weeks to prepare. The the Patriots have six days, um, not no different than the situation where the 49ers had two weeks to prepare the Browns. The difference is obviously they have to go on the road to do it. Um, but they've got an opportunity to sort of make a statement here. And, and if the if the Patriots are going to be vulnerable any week, it would be this week. So, I, you know, I, the the Patriots' offense is just really bad, really bad. And I think it, it, this game tests the Browns in the way they need to be tested, which is can you get through the game without turning over the football? Can can you basically avoid? giving away the game because if you, you, you protect the ball, your, your possessions end in kicks uh, and you play great defense, you know, Miles Garrett and company can, can make plays on this group. You know, you're going to be in this, you have a punter that's going to be a weapon in this game. Believe it or not, Jimmy Gillen could be a big factor in this one. And if he is, that's going to be good news unless it's a blocked punt um, that the Browns can stay in this and win. And if they do, it's a huge deal. If they don't, and they play well, it could be a uh, a game that sort of sets them up for the future. But, you know, I, I, this, is the, this is the type of game you wanted the, the Browns to be in this year. Thank you. Um, exactly. Don't run away from it now. I mean, this is the whole point. You want the Browns to beat good teams. You want them to, you know, find out who they are. This is, We looked at this before the season as sort of a, a measuring stick game. There's no that, – that hasn't changed. So – I, you know, is there a possibility this could end badly and, and, and the Browns get beat up and, and all those things? Sure. But let's see what they actually do. Uh, let's not bury them before they're dead. Yeah, well, and the, I mean, look, uh, you know, the other thing is uh, ready for primetime or not. It, it's, you know, and obviously it's a 430 start, so don't go that route with me, guys. This is it. It's on the table here. You're going to go play what has been the big dog of the AFC for damn near 20 years. Go in there. Have your shit right. Go in there. And look, Freddie said it today. We're not going in to play the normal team. We're going to play in the New England Patriots. And, you know, some people are, you know, giving a little flack to that. No, that's an accurate statement. We're, we're going to play the big boys this week. And this is how do you measure yourself in the AFC? We measure ourselves versus the New England Patriots. That's the talk you should want. It's not a, oh, my God, I hope we don't drown and die. No. Go in there. Punch them in the mouth. I mean, they're good. They're well coached. but. It doesn't, I mean, God damn it. I mean, you know, they're beatable. They're certainly beatable. You just got to play what you're capable of playing. Uh, guys, obviously, always a pleasure here. Um, 
check out everything uh, you know Pete's got going on. Obviously, Browns Maven, follow at Browns Maven. Uh, everything got done through SI.com. Fantastic work he's putting out there. I'm happy for him because, uh, you know, and look, for me and Pete, we were both hoping for better results here because it helps us as far as, you know, reads and listens and all that type of stuff. Um, but you always get the same effort. Look, we, we show up day in, day out, lunch pail type of guys, hard hats. You know, we're going to give you everything we got, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's ugly, we're here day in, day out. So make sure you're checking all that out. Obviously, follow Pete at underscore Pete Smith underscore uh, the show itself at Locked On Browns, all lowercase. Always follow back. DMs are always open. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, DMs are open there, guys. Something you want on the show, questions you have. If you're really kind of Twitter shy or any of that stuff, you know, you can DM me. I'll do my best to answer any questions you guys got over there. Uh, I've had some questions maybe about if there were to be a head coach in 2020, and I kind of gave my answer. Um, think Norman, Oklahoma, if that were possibly the case. Um, and he actually does have head coaching experience. A lot of people want to give Freddie that, you know, beat down of the fact that he doesn't have it. Um, that young man down in Norman, Oklahoma. I, I, love, I like where you're at, but you're dreaming. Yeah, I understand. Uh, yeah, you don't, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of hard no, when it, it, Dallas, Dorsey, Texas is pretty close. If, if Dorsey were to fire um, uh, Freddie Kitchens after one year, there are two guys that will get, two, one of two guys that will get this job. One of them is uh, Mike McCarthy, and the other is the Eagles defensive coordinator. Yep. I, I agree. I mean, super, super safe route. Of course, of course, of course. Um, me personally, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm trying to find a way to convince Lincoln Riley that um, Cleveland, Ohio is a beautiful place to be for the next 10, 15 years. That's just me personally. And, uh, you know, the Baker and him relationship would be fun too. Um, guys, iTunes rating reviews. Come on. The sounds improve. Things are better. We're not getting any action there. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Um, everybody who does, I appreciate, uh, obviously, uh, you know, my, my buddy, Brandon King, thank you as much. Uh, you put out a ton of it there guys. iTunes reading reviews helps, helps us out a ton. Retweets, hey, likes, all that good stuff. Help it out here, man. We're busting our butts for you guys every day. We don't ask much of you. All right. I appreciate everybody in that respect. Um, that'll put an end to this, which has been your daily delivery of all things dog pound. Uh, Pete and I will sit down. Uh, let's see, tomorrow night's, th- uh, tomorrow night's Thursday. Night. I'm off on this week. I'm like a day ahead. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get you a pregame show. We'll figure all this out. Obviously, you know, Pete with his football schedule and other things going on. We'll get you a pregame show before we kick off for, uh, 4.30. Sunday in Foxborough. Daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.